today on Anchored in the Word. Satan is doing everything he can to keep you quiet, to keep you not to preach Jesus. Okay, you can talk about God, you can talk about religion, talk about being a good person, but do not mention the name of you know who. That's what he says. Do not mention that name that is the name above all names. But when he's preached, lo and behold, he's received. And if you're a Christian here today, that happened to you. But I'm deep in your is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Even though Paul had just begun his ministry to the people of Thessalonica, their response to the gospel was immediate and enthusiastic, especially among the Greek converts to Judaism. In today's message, Pastor Bill will prepare you for the popularity and subsequent severe persecution that often follows a great work of God. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in Acts chapter 17 with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. This is a mouthful for the Jews because these guys were looking for the Messiah. The Christ means the anointed one. They were looking for this person, for this man. They were looking for this man to come onto the scene they were waiting for this Messiah to come, and they were looking, checking him out, for looking for this guy. And, and by and large, and even the disciples thought this, that he was going to come to the planet and, and set up his kingdom and, and overthrow the government. Now, he was going to be, his kingdom was going to come to earth, and he was going to set up his government on earth, and they were looking for a Messiah to do that. Now, he is going to do that, and so they're correct about that, but that's yet to come. That's going to be in the second coming of the Messiah. But when, they, when he came back, it, it, and, and again, and you'll see this in the Old Testament in uh, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, um, that he was going to come and suffer. This is important. The Messiah was going to come, and he was going to suffer. Now, but I want you to see something, um, that what he is doing, what Paul is doing, is not teaching, he's not teaching a religion. He's not teaching just good living. He is teaching about a person. He's talking about a person in, in, in the scriptures because his Paul knows that if he will talk about Jesus Christ, God will do a work in people's hearts right in his midst. He figured that out because there's power in the name. We sang that song, remember? There is power in the name of Jesus. That's true. That is true. And so Paul knew, and he was going to preach. He was going to preach the scriptures because he knew that Christ was going to be revealed. Point number one, that Christ was going to be revealed in his glory and in his mission. Because Christ had a mission. When he came to the planet, and do you know, and I don't know you know this because you hear this, is that Christ came to die. That was his first mission. He just didn't come here to show people what a good life looks like. How to live a life of perfection. He's the only one that's done it, by the way. 
And there are people walking this planet that are trying to be perfect. Sometimes they admit it by saying, you know, I'm a perfectionist. They're, they're, they're trying to live the perfect life. I'm going, to hear, I'm going to tell you, folks, this is what the scriptures say about you and me. Everybody but Jesus, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's only been one perfect person. There's not going to be another one besides him. So you give that one up. You mean, I'm not supposed to live the perfect? No. What we're supposed to do as we talk about Jesus is understand that he lived the perfect life. The one who knew no sin, it says. That means he, he was perfect. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. He came to die. Well, die for what? Well, this is the problem, right? There's a sin problem going on in the world. Adam and Eve, as a result of original sin, they, they sinned against God. It says sin came into the world, and as a result of that, death. And we still see that. We see death, don't we? People die. And, and so sin had to be dealt with because the wages of sin is death. Separation from a holy God. And God doesn't want man separated from him, so he had to make a way to pay for man's sin. And God sent his son, the father sent his son Jesus to come to the earth, not just to live the perfect life, which he did. That just proved that he is the sinless lamb of God, that he is God. And then he sent him to the cross because without the shedding of blood, there's no atonement for sin. And so there had to be someone to pay the price for the sins of the world. He was the only one that was worthy. You see, you're not worthy to pay for your own sins. Now, if you die in this life without receiving Christ as your Savior, you will pay for your sins in the sense that you will be judged. But you're not good enough to die for your sins so that you can be righteous. Some people are trying to do that. They're trying to make up for their sins that they did and to try and save themselves, not possible. Paul was teaching this. He was teaching the very simple message that Jesus is the way. He is the Messiah. Now, I want to say this to you, and I, 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 I don't know if this is revelation to you or not, but I believe that Jesus Christ is the answer for every problem in the world. Amen. Wow, I'm not alone in this. No, seriously, you guys believe this too. All right? So we believe that. Now, we see it in our government all the time, and we, you know, some people believe that, the, for example, the, the, the way to really um, is not to have a deficit. If you get rid of the trillions of dollar deficit, that is kind of like going to fix a lot of things, right? And I'm not saying, I don't think you should. It's, it's a biblical concept not to go into debt. But if somehow miraculously we got everybody to give up their salaries for 100 years and we paid off this, whatever this trillion dollar, $20 trillion of money, it's a lot of money, folks, and we were down to zero, do you think that would solve our problems? No. No, it wouldn't. That's a distraction in some ways. Now, I'm not, again, hear me on this. I'm just saying that the answer to man's problems, whether it be wars and, 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 and lifestyle, is I've seen it in my own life demonstrated. Jesus changed my life. I just, I had a lot of, I still got problems, but the idea is I know who has the answers for my problems. They're found in Christ. Paul believed that. And he knew that if Jesus was revealed to the people, it would change who they are, who they, it's who they were. And you think, well, did they really need to see about Jesus? These guys were religious already. They needed Jesus, just like everybody does. And so we see that he spent his life going around seeing that Jesus was revealed. And he did this through the preaching of the word, explaining, it says, 
and demonstrating that Christ, that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. The Old Testament declares that. In Psalm 16, it says, the Holy One will not see corruption. In other words, Jesus, even though he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the world, he was going to get buried. He was never going to, his body was never going to decay or rot. There wasn't enough time. He was raised from the dead and, 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 and he is alive today. And that's what those scriptures spoke to. But I want you to know something, that this idea of Christ is not just um, information that's passed on that automatically changes someone. It's more than that. It's transformation that needs to take place, not just information. It is information. The good news about Jesus is information, but it's got to be accompanied by the power of God, which brings transformation. And that's what we see here in chapter 17. We see a, a loyal subject, Paul, who, who realizes the power of the gospel by preaching the word. And we see God's hand, God's interaction, as Paul is explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying that Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. Simple message. But I'm going to tell you something. It, it's simply profound, though, because... There is something, as we sang that song, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's never been another one, another person like him. I think of, you know, other names that are out there in, in, in Christendom, even you think of Billy Graham. I mean, in our time, wow, this guy's, Billy's like, I think he's 99, I think now. Is he something like that? And he's been used in a mighty way by God. And to hear how many people have, have uh you know, come to Christ, and he's, how many people has he preached to through the years? You know, he was a simple farmer, farmer's son. He had a, they had a milk, they milked cows, and he, he grew up milking cows. And somewhere along the line, though, Billy got saved, and he, and he realized that was, a, he realized in his own life, it was just about this name of Jesus. And he's preached, if you, if you look and examine his messages through the years, he has preached Jesus simply all those years, and God used that in a powerful way, used a man who took that simple message and, and to the point where you could say, oh, man, you're just preaching about Jesus again? And, and we can get that mentality, like, oh, it's, it's just about Jesus again? I remember hearing from a man that was a part of my life early on in my Christian walk, and he was a pastor, also a musician. Early on in the days of Calvary Chapel, and he had a band. I won't tell you who he is. Um, these guys don't even have a clue anyway, but the point is, and that's good. I don't want you to know who he is. But he said to me one day, um, and his, he had a, I'll just say it this way, he had a, he had a son that was, became a very uh, famous Christian musician, and in the, in the describing of, of what kind of music they were playing, because I was inquiring of that. How does this happen? You know, you got a pastor's kid, he's going out, and this band became really big, and he said this to me one day, and, he, and, it, and it, it hurt my heart, or it just didn't sit right, and he was, I don't know if he's my pastor at that time, uh, but the point is, he said, you know, not every song, not every band that sings has to be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I think I know what he meant by that. But when he said that, there was a part of me that just, I won't say it died, but I didn't like hearing that from him because I knew what that meant. And, and I say this only to say, not that there can't be bands that go over, because they say they call it a crossover. That's what they call that. You know, when Christian bands become, they can, they can minister in secular situations. They call it the crossover. And like what somebody said, they said, yeah, they crossed over, but they didn't take the crossover. <laughs> in other words, they didn't take Jesus over. Well, we'll use songs like, you know, love. We'll use the word love. And, and they, um, so 
But when he said that, see, my flesh, there's a part of my flesh, listen, there's a part of my flesh that, that wants to not have so much Jesus all the time. Do you know what I mean by that? Are you, are you astounded by that as your pastor? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, no, but yeah, Jesus, but let's just, for, let's, 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 let's take a trip around the world, you know, let's, let's go adventuring, let's get a boat and go around the world and be mariners for a time. We can preach when we stop at the ports and stuff. You know, that's not what Paul was doing. It wasn't, you know, yeah, we'll take our Christianity with us, but we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to go around the world. We're, no, it was, it just so happened he was going to preach Jesus and he needed to take a boat, you know, they didn't have planes in those days, or other things. You know, there are other things that I want to get distracted with. Pray for me. I'm trying to stay away from social media because I'm watching so many people. You're getting addicted to this stuff, and I'm thinking, I don't see myself as better than you. I, I don't need one more thing to distract me. You know what I mean? I don't need one more thing. And, and my flesh you know, even though I know that I'm called to this as a Christian, not just a pastor, but there are certain distractions that I, that I want to get involved in that could take me away from what's most important. And Paul stayed focused. And I believe Billy Graham stayed focused through his, through his lifetime. But what were they doing? They were revealing Christ through preaching the gospel. That's simple. They understood that they believed that the world would be a better place. A person's life, they would be better off if they had Christ. And by the way, you can have as much of him as you want. As much of him as you want. The sad thing is, what I've noticed in my own life, and, and, and generally speaking in, in the church in America, is we've, we've come to this place where we're trying to have this. We're trying to have our, you've heard this one, right? We're have, trying to have our cake and eat it too, you know? We'll eat the cake, but we still got the cake. You know, we eat a, eat a whole cake, but we still got a whole cake. It's still there. You know, that doesn't happen. That's not the way it works. And we, we, we're saying, yeah, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to be a Christian, and we're going, to, we're going to live in the kingdom. We're going to live in the world, too. And Jesus said, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's impossible. You either love one and hate the other. You can't serve two masters. It's impossible. So stop trying it. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't serve two masters. So I think, you know, I remember growing up and I always wanted to be the most comfortable I could be. That was kind of the thing that I was seeking after. Not after God, but just seeking for comfort and whatever that looked like in my mind. And then Christ was revealed and that all changed after that. Although there was a comfort level there, there was a peace now that came in as Christ was revealed in my, when he was real, revealed to me. I had man, a comfort, a peace, and you can't buy that kind of comfort, you know, that peace. Um, but it wasn't then just to get comfortable here on earth and just wait till you die and go to heaven. It's just sort of, okay, now you got your salvation. That's over here. That's your God compartment over here. Now just keep doing what you were doing over here. And, you know, don't go too far straight because remember, you've got your God compartment over there. So you, you know that you can't go too far from that. And that is, Jesus said, an impossible way to live. It doesn't, it's not going to work out for you. And so we see that Christ was revealed through Paul's preaching. Now, we get to verse 4, and this isn't this just a, um, this, as a Christian, it doesn't get any better than this. You may have heard that saying, it doesn't get any better than this. Verse 4, at least on earth, okay, we're talking about on earth now. And verse 4, as a result of Christ being revealed, look at this, Christ is preached, and some of them, verse 4, were persuaded with a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. By the way, that's a way of saying a lot. 
of the leading women, join Paul and Silas, rejoice. You know, you know all, it says that all the angels in heaven rejoice over one person. One! There's a party in heaven every time one person gives their heart to Jesus Christ. And isn't that the way that you think too? Isn't, doesn't it make your day? Doesn't it make your millennium? I, that doesn't even serve the term. When somebody will come up to me and, 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 and tell me they gave their heart to the Lord here after one of the services. I, would, I just feel compelled. You made my day. You know, but it's more than that. It's more than just a day. It's that exciting. And so we see in verse 4, this happens. I want to say this to you, though. Keep in mind, you can't do this without preaching Jesus. Satan is doing everything he can to keep you quiet, to keep you not to preach Jesus, and um, trying to get you, okay, you can talk about God, you can talk about religion, talk about being a good person, but do not mention the name of you-know-who. That's what he says. Do not mention that name that is the name above all names. But when he's preached, lo and behold, he's received. And if you're a Christian here today, that happened to you. That happened to you. And it may have happened in in different ways. People came into your life. Maybe you went to a church service. And and if we think about it, there were several things that happened, right? You maybe heard the radio. I was driving down the road. And and God had been doing other things. But I was looking for my talk radio. And you've heard this before. And I landed on this station, this man preaching. And boy, I didn't know who that guy was. But when he finished, I thought, man, I've never heard church like that before. Well, now I know it was Greg Laurie. He was preaching on, on... on K-Way, which is a huge Christian radio. I didn't even know what that was. But God was reeling me in, slowly but surely, and I received Christ. I was a slow learner. And, um, but I want you to see what else has happened, what else has happened on this trip, and what else happens in, in today when Christ is preached. And you would think, you know, logically, think logically for a moment. And this is where, you know, this idea of Christianity and Jesus kind of goes beyond this because, you know, think about it, especially when you get older and and your life, there's not a whole lot, let's say, time left. You think, well, isn't it kind of important that you think about your eternity and and get that part of your life figured out, you know, taken care of? And, um, but, you know, and just receive Jesus into your life. I mean, receive Christ. He's died for your sins. It's not, you don't have to do anything other than to believe in him. You think, why wouldn't everybody want that? Why wouldn't everybody want to live forever in the, in the presence of Almighty God and, and, and not be in the other place that the Bible talks about where there's gnashing of teeth and, and, and eternal fires? I mean, why would you want to end up there? And there's only one way, the Bible says, and that's Jesus. Why wouldn't they want that? I remember an old, an old man, I went to the hospital with another old man. And I'm his age now. And, 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 and not the guy that was dying, okay? But he was deaf. I mean, this guy couldn't hear a lick, the guy on the hospital bed, and the other guy's yelling at him. He's yelling the gospel at the guy, and he's, I don't know how old he was. He was probably 50. No, he was, he was in his late 80s, I think. He was in his late 80s. And he's yelling the gospel at this guy, and he will not receive Christ. He's dying, he's on his dying bed, and he's not receiving Christ, and you're thinking, what's he holding on for? What's he thinking? He's going to like miss out on something in life, you know, or something at this age? No, seriously, it doesn't even make any sense because it goes beyond that. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle. 
And so not only is Christ received by some, but there is a spiritual battle going on, right? We have an adversary. Look at verse 5. It says, but, this is after the good news, the people that receive, but the Jews who were not persuaded. In other words, those who didn't believe. Those are the ones that heard for three weeks straight, and they were sitting there with crossed arms, and, you know, no, we're not buying this. We're not buying this Jesus stuff. And it says, they were not persuaded. And not only that, they didn't just stay there and say, okay, no big deal. I'm, let them have their Jesus. I'm not going to have mine. That's fine. I'm fine with that. It doesn't end there. Because there's a spiritual battle, and Satan's not happy with anyone receiving Jesus. And it says, so they became, it says, becoming envious. In other words, of what somebody else had. All oh, the peace and the joy, eternal life. You know, being envious, they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob. This seems like a lot of work to me, okay? They're going out of it. No, doesn't it? They're going out of their way for this. They're going to go employ some evil men in the marketplace and gathering a mob. It says, let's try to do that without social media. They're gathering a mob. They set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Apparently, they were staying with this man named Jason, all right? Paul and the, and the missionary team. Verse 6 says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I want to suggest to you somebody said it this way. No, brother, they didn't turn the world upside down. What did they do? They turned the world right side up. That's what Jesus does. He's not turning the world upside down. He's turning it right side up. In other words, that's the way it was meant to be. Reversing the curse. That's who Jesus is. That's what he came to the planet to do, to reverse the curse. And he's Make, he makes someone's life. And if you're a Christian, you can say amen to this. You are living now to be the person you've been designed to be. Amen. Now, you're not perfect. There's only one of them. There's only one perfect one. But so they've, they've, now they've got, this, they've got this mob now. And they've gone to Jason's house. And they've, they're looking for the, for the missionaries who, have, they said, turn the world upside down. But we know they're, they're seeking to turn the world right side up. And it says... Jason, he says, has harbored them. That's the, that's the crime, okay? He's harbored them. They're staying in his house. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. And it says, saying there is another King Jesus. Okay, this is what I would want to say to you. Those things, what they're saying is they're breaking the law. Today's message on Anchored in the Word is part of a larger series covering the book of Acts. Pastor Bill has been walking with us verse by verse through the history of the early church, sharing the struggles they faced along with their triumphs. He's also been emphasizing the one thing that held them together through it all, and what continues to do so for the church today, the Holy Spirit. Jesus' words as he departed the world were to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. That's exactly what the apostles did. They waited, but then jumped right into ministry as soon as they received this promised gift. Have you received the Holy Spirit? He's part of the package of salvation, a gift from Jesus, when you accept forgiveness for your sins. The Holy Spirit dwells in each person guiding their steps and whispering truth and love in their soul. 
If you've yet to make this decision, we'd love to talk with you and answer any questions you may have. Our phone number here at Anchored in the Word is 732-544-2225. That number again is 732-544-2225. We'd like to encourage you to get involved in a local church as well. And if you're in the Eatontown area, we invite you to make Calvary Chapel Coastlands that place. Find service times and directions through our website, anchoredintheword.com. Thanks for tuning in today. We pray that you remain moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.